Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is To the Core, Part 2, Spiritual Maturity, recorded Sunday, October 31st, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Our church does stand on the core value of spiritual maturity, that that's something we develop in our lives throughout the course of our lives. Now, my first question for you, I'm going to ask you several questions this morning. My first one is this, how mature are you? That's pretty simple, simple question. I'm not just talking about the middle of the fourth quarter when your favorite team is once again losing a game. I'm not talking about that kind of material. This is a more important thing. John Tyson, a preacher from New York, had a message he called Spirituality You Long For. And he says one of the great tragedies of our world is the tragedy of immaturity. And he quotes from an article in the New York Times, and it's referenced there if you see it. It's called The Death of Adulthood in America. The article was written in response to research that shows that um, adolescence is being pushed back in our culture. As a matter of fact, there's a movement on the part of the psychological community to move back the age of adolescence to the age from 18 to 24. And so the article talks about the chronic immaturity that's in our culture. For instance, the reading level of a third of Americans who are 30 to 40 is somewhere in the middle school realm. And, and not only that, but people in those age groups are inundating themselves with entertainment from the middle school realm. And so the world is working overtime to facilitate this culture of immaturity. We live in a culture that's obsessed with youth, as you know, and is working very hard to keep us youthful, but that might also mean immature. In a book on the topic, it was, it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. They say that the well-intentioned adults are unwilling, unwittingly harming young people by raising them in three untruths. The first untruth is the untruth of fragility, meaning that, that, we've, that, that young people are, are fragile and unable to make their own decisions, unable to, to grow up. And, and so they're, they're trusting their feelings, they're, they're not living to learn how to have logic, and they're not understanding history, and they're not accepting the norms and the values of cultures that cultures have had for centuries about life. And, and so they're not able to, take, to make the hard choices that come with life. So instead of building up strength, it keeps them in this unnatural state of immaturity, of weakness. And that's manifested in all kinds of ways. So someone says, well, I feel depressed, so therefore, I can't go to class anymore. Or someone says, I don't love my job, so therefore, I'm not going to go to work today. And that's, these are just things that we hear because people are not mature. Now, another untruth that this article or this book uh, points out is that the untruth of emotional reasoning. So in other words, a person should just always trust their feelings. And so if you want chaotic confusion, just follow your feelings all the time. Now, here's, here's some ways that that works out. And I, I think this is a big thing right now that we're dealing with culturally. There's this idea that somehow we should encourage pre-adolescence children 
to make sexual decisions at that age, like so you're six, seven, eight, ten years old, and somehow you should be identifying where you are sexually in life. Now, I don't know about you guys. I remember being six to ten years old, and I remember I just wanted to go play football in some sandlot with my buddies. And, And girls, I don't know if you remember this, but usually in that age group, you were saying about boys, they have cooties. Do you remember that? So... So to be making decisions about where you're going to land sexually, I mean, that's messed up. So if you want that, chaos, that confusion, just start teaching eight-year-olds to make decisions where they're going to follow their pre-adolescent emotions on things like, like sex. That's a dangerous thing. And we're seeing the ramification of that throughout our culture. So here's another untruth. It's the untruth of us versus them. It's the idea that life is a battle between good people and evil people, and there's no in-between. So it's, it's black and white thinking. It's labeling people, assigning global negative traits to yourself and others. All men are. All women are. All Democrats. All Republicans. You name the ethnic group. All them are. It's like, you know, like that's how life is, which it is not. If you think even somewhat logically, you understand that. But another thing that we do is we mind read. So we think we know what other people think about us and others. And so we start judging people like that. So you know, she thinks, she thinks that, that, that I'm a threat to her. Or he thinks I'm a loser. And then you just live your life in these untruths. So here's the problem with all that. It keeps people in perpetual adolescence. And the thing is, there's a term, failure to launch, you've heard that term, a person who is somehow stuck in some level of human development. And that's concerning, and it is rampant. But you know what's even more damaging than that? It is the immaturity of people in the church of God. And by the way, it's parallel. So my, here's my second question is, what are some of the signs of spiritual maturity? Because we, you know, we, we talk here about spiritual things. We, we, we care about the culture. We care about what's happening with, you know, with education and with, uh, with development and families. All of that matters deeply to us. But the fact is, our, our role is to develop spiritual maturity. And really, much of the New Testament in the Bible was written to churches who were suffering and struggling with the idea of maturing too. That's why people like Peter and Paul and James and John and others wrote New Testament books because they wanted to help churches understand what maturity is. And so here's some things that we learn from them, and there's probably some more, but these are the big topics a spiritual maturing person, so think about yourself in this. Don't just think about your church, although the church, you can think about that too. But this is, this is like a self-directed thing. The first thing is a spiritually maturing person is not easily influenced by false doctrine. There are so many voices that you can, that you can glob onto that will teach you anything that your itching ears will let you hear. And we have something called the World Wide Web to help with that. And there's a lot of voices, as you well know. There's a lot of gurus out there. 
Last week we talked about the first core value, which is kind of the baseline one, the idea that our church stands on the idea of scriptural authority, biblical authority. And so if you really want to want to make sure that you're hearing messages appropriate, you need to hear what Jesus says, and that should inundate your, your thinking so that you can determine what thinking should be. I like how Hebrews 5 puts it, and it warns early Christians about staying immature. He says, we have a lot to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. He's talking to churches in the first century, Christians who are stuck. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And then he uses this phrase, you need milk, not solid food. So uh, like an inference to the age of a person and what they eat. He's using that illustration to show us this, the diet of our lives. Anyone who lives on milk... Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Instead, you know, you're kind of stuck in these other things. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. You might want to underline that if you write in your Bible. Trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I mean, bottles are great for infants. I mean, but, but, but it's not good if you're going to live your life on baby formula. I mean, if you're out to dinner with friends, for instance, and, you know, it's ordering time, and you, you go to the menu, and, you know, the ribeye always looks especially good to me, so you order a ribeye with whatever, and then the adults with you say, yeah, I think I'll just have a bottle of milk. You're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, to each his own, right? That's weird. You're talking about with your wife in the car going home. I'm just telling you, you're going to have a conversation about that, right? So... But, but this is happening culturally, it's happening spiritually. Now, another per, a thing about a person who is maturing in Christ, and I say maturing, the mature Christian judges by godly standards, not worldly ones. Like, for instance, James talks about this in his book. He talks about how people were coming into their church services and people were just like oogling over important people and giving them preferences in the church. And he warns them. He just says, look, we, we don't play favorites in the church. That's immature. And so that's one example of that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.16, it says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's not how we judge each other. We don't judge each other according to status and money and positions and you know, degrees behind someone's name. A major sign of maturity is, are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit to conquer sin in your life? I mean, or are you in a never-ending treadmill of giving in to whatever sin it is you can't break through? It just keeps you immature in your faith. It keeps you immature in your behavior. I mean, the drinking, you know, that you just say, well, I just, I, I just can't beat it. Well, why not? Because you haven't figured out that you can but you need to tie into God's power in your life. The porn, guys, come on, girls, it's both, okay? What about that? When are you going to get off the lust of the flesh? How about the material things that just keep catching your eye and attracting you, and so you buy more and more stuff, and it keeps you from being generous to uh, help people in need or to help your church forward itself in terms of the mission for Jesus? I mean, 
Are you being wise on how you're choosing mate, your mate, your next date, you know, your job? Are you applying wisdom where you spend your money, your time? Or are you a slave to the opinion of others and you just live your life to make yourself look better than, than, than really you need to? Because God says you're just fine the way you are if you'll tie into me. That's maturity, see? And so here's the thing, and it's stated clearly in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. This is really a beautiful little, little verse or two. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that would be most of us, I think, the glorious riches of this mystery. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And then here's the phrase, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I, I, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So God wants to take every one of us here, every one of us, from where we are right now and grow us to be something else. Everyone. We are to strain and contend with all his energy in us to mature, to, to grow into Christ's likeness. And, and that really means that we, we, we say we are going to live for the reason God made us. Dallas Willard makes this statement, the most important thing about you is not the things you achieve, but rather the person you become. See, it's possible to achieve a lot of things spiritually, you know, and biblically, you know, in the church, you know, but to be very immature as well. It really is. I mean, you can do a lot of holy things and, and still be an infant in terms of your faith or your religious activity is not the issue. Spiritual maturity is how much you're living like Jesus, how it's changing your life because he's in you and moving you forward and you're cooperating with him. And so we have the Gospels, we have the first four books of the New Testament to show us how Jesus lived and how he spoke and how he treated people and what he did in life, how he sacrificed for others, how he, how he served others before himself, how he, how he was willing to be oppressed for the sake of people who were being oppressed, how he turned the other cheek when people treated him with, uh, you know, with violence and with hatred. Uh, we, we, we know he ultimately gave his life uh, because he had a higher calling. And, and so, you know, that's the ultimate of spiritual maturity. And uh, none of us will probably be called to go that far, but we are called to follow him. And, and so spiritual maturity does those kinds of things. I mean, a question is how natural is it for you to live and love and reason like Jesus. How natural does that come for you? The deepest spiritual person is the one who moves and lives and loves as effortlessly as he did. And, uh, and, that, and by the way, this is a process. Because I, I, I know that, that I have a long way to go. Like, I can't even see the end of where he could take me in this, to be honest. But the question is, am I experiencing transformation? Am I, is my character changing? 
See, here's how often it works for us. So when you became a follower of Jesus, he started going after the big stuff first. So, for instance, when you accepted Christ for salvation, you went from being a pagan to a believer, to a Christian. Okay, that's a big step. That's a big step. That means that you gained some very elementary changes in your life. At least you should have. You got the forgiveness of sins now and forever. That's a big deal. That's massive. You got salvation. That's pretty big. You, you, you don't have to fear the day you die because you're going to live forever in the glory of God. That's the power that resurrection brings. You enter a new life with Jesus as Lord and you should be then on this trajectory that leads you in life, not just from eternal, into eternal life from hell, you know, away from hell to eternity, but those are big things. But then, but then there's these other things that should start happening too. And that's where maturity comes in. So for instance, maybe before you came to Jesus, you had a problem cheating customers because you knew you could make more money when you, when you fudge the truth a little bit. But now he's wrecked you because you have a conscience. Your character's growing. And you just can't find yourself doing that anymore. And, and you're making your coworkers mad because their profit margin seems to be dropping too because of your decision-making. But that's what we're talking about when we maturity. I mean, before you became a Christian, you didn't have any conscience about sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, even though you weren't married, because why would you? You just enjoyed it, right? And now it's guilt, and you hate it because you're convicted, and, and God just won't let you off the hook on that. The Holy Spirit is pushing on you to say, you can be a different kind of person, and you should be. That's what happens when he comes into our life. He starts getting into our motives, and our thoughts, and our desires. And maturity then starts flowing from that. So how does this transformation happen? Well, it goes back to God's word. That's the key. Maturity happens when we know who he is. And to know him, we've got to get into his word. And I know some of you are like, yeah, 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 the Bible. We talk about it all the time. Well, are you serious about using it? <laughs> I mean, is your life cycling over the same old sin, the same old resistance to change? Do you keep making the same bad decisions, the same bad mistakes over and over again? Guess what? You haven't moved from milk. You're still drinking from a bottle. There's a study done of 15,000 churches, over 400,000 Christians. The purpose was to determine in every stage of a person's spiritual growth what kinds of tools best helped a person take the next step? And so there were a lot of things that came out of that, but the number one thing, the thing that, got, that, that was always mentioned, almost always mentioned by almost all the people were the Scripture. Not just studying it, but hearing it and putting it into practice as Jesus puts it. Maturity comes when you find out who God is and when you find out what God values and then you start applying those principles to your life. And so there's some things that we've written into our core values when it comes to this area of spiritual maturity. Like, so this can give you kind of a gauge or barometer of where you stand in terms of maturity. One of the things we do is we engage in community. We meet together regularly for fellowship, for worship, to 
share in the communion experience, to share in the baptism experiences that we do, the preaching and teaching of God's word, small groups, those kinds of things. We use our gifts. If you're a Christian and not using your gifts to the good of the, of the church and to move the kingdom forward, then that gives you a pretty good idea where you should go. We walk with our church in unity. We, we seek unity. We seek agreement with, you know, peace with each other. We work on that and make it a part of our own. We give consistent encouragement to each other in areas where God speaks into our lives. We encourage and build each other up. That's maturity in, in action. We help hurting brothers and sisters. We just step in and we, and we minister to each other. We bear one another's burdens and pray for each other. We strive for good and righteous living. We spur one another on toward that kind of life. And, and then we accept discipline, which might be the hardest one. So when, when I'm off target with God's word, you are, there's someone who will lovingly step in and say, hey, do you see this? How can I encourage you and help you to make a different choice? Sometimes we'll get asked, what are you doing here to grow people in spiritual ways, to develop maturity? And that's a good question. And then in my mind, I might think, well, we present God's word. We, uh, we offer all sorts of tools and programs, and we serve and we worship. You know, but there's a time and a place for every person where you should be able to ask this question. The question is, are you going to be a self-feeder? Are you going to feed yourself or are you going to just remain a little baby? Because, you know, the bottom line is this. If you spend the rest of your life expecting other people to feed you, that's infantile. It, it is. It's, so let me, let me just take that a little further. You're new in the faith. You're just like a human newborn. And everything's new to you. That's a developmental stage. It's a beautiful thing. We've got lots of newborns around here. Not just little babies, but I'm talking about newborn Christians. And so, yeah, they're on the bottle. You need some milk. You need, to, you, need to, you, know, you need to get the substance you need until you can move on to mush. And you should do that pretty quick, by the way. Get to mush right away. But eventually, you've got to have some meat. Sorry about you vegans. and you know, You've got to have some, some, some substance. Let's put it that way. Meat, meat, maybe meat's too politically incorrect these days. But I like it. But you do what you want. But anyway... Now, 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 would an exhausted mother, this might happen, by the way, but would an exhausted mother with their three-month-old just look down at that baby, she's exhausted, you know she is, and say, okay, I've had it. You have just been relying on mama's milk, and it's just draining me. So look, there's a kitchen over there. There's plates. There's dishes. Figure out a way to crawl over there. Uh, the stove is hot, know that, but if you need hot food, figure that out. Go feed yourself. No, you would hopefully, appropriately, move them forward to the point where they can become self-sustaining. That takes time, years. But we also aren't going to put advanced spiritual development on those who are new to Christianity and church. You should crave spiritual milk. We should be able to deliver that until you're ready to move forward. But you got to go to the next stage, the stage where you determine the difference between good and evil. I think that's childhood in the spiritual sense, where, where now you're, you know, you know, this is good, this is bad, I'm supposed to do good, I'm not supposed to do bad, and that's a phase, that's a stage 
a growing understanding of how God wants to work in your life and in this world. And then when you're adolescent, you start to really question and analyze and you start to take this for yourself. You don't, you know, you're, you're still relying on mentors and people who will lead you, but, but at some point you're becoming discriminatory enough where you ask, how is this my faith? What is God telling me to do? What do I need to obey him on? And yeah, there's sometimes some rebellion, but at some point, you become an adult. And by the way, spiritually, adults pave the way for all that. Spiritual adults accept responsibility. Adults lead the babies and the infants and the adolescents. Adults pay the bills. Adults make hard decisions. And we know this is true. Paul says our goal is to help everyone mature in Christ. Now, I'm going to press a little bit more for a minute. Because in life, there's a lot of wounded kids who are that way because their parents never themselves grew up emotionally or spiritually. There are parents who never move beyond the, the ability to feed themselves. There's a lot of people who are adult entitled, but children in reality. Perpetual kids who need to be coddled and who can't face the real world. They stay in this, some stage, they get stuck in, in spiritual adolescence or spiritual childhood and even infancy. And uh, maybe you see that. Many who are adult in age because they were baptized 30 years ago and they do some Jesus things in their life. But that's about it. I mean, functionally, they're infants. They're still in the bottle. Or they're functionally, they're a child who's still trying to figure out the difference between right and wrong. And, and it's been 30 years for them in the faith. So... Now, we love producing newborns here. We, we got a whole bunch of people who we would call newborns in the faith in our church. We love that. We love having all the stages. We love having people who are discriminating now between right and wrong and helping them figure that out and tr trusting and loving through that with them. And, and we really need more adults, people who will go beyond the elementary stuff and step into that place over there called Kids City and say, I can teach kids. They'll step into these roles that we have, small groups, and they'll say, I can do that because I have enough maturity to go forward. The healthiest of all churches have spiritual ages in their midst, all of them. There's plenty of new but relatively immature believers who need to be fed and nourished. There's plenty of people who are progressing through the stage of development where they're learning how to distinguish between right and wrong and figure out this world with God's help. There are plenty of Christian adolescents who are finding out that they can have their own faith and they can really, actually, they can feed themselves. Now, don't go to McDonald's all your life, but, you know, you can get there now and then go beyond that. And there's plenty of mature or full-grown people who understand how important they are to the body of Christ and that the body of Christ cannot be what it needs to be healthily. If I'm not mature enough, to be a part of that. We want to be a church that's always moving people from infancy to full maturity. And that means that we are seeing people become more and more like Jesus at every step of that maturity. And most importantly, it requires that you ask yourself, what do I need to do to take the next step? So, Lord, as we commune together, we come together at this magnificent table.
table that's been spread before us by the grace and mercy of none other than God through Jesus Christ. We come always examining ourselves, not just celebrating grace, but also asking how can we live in it more maturely. So maybe that's one of the experiences that we'll have as we take this bread and this cup today to ask ourselves about maturity and where you want to take us next. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to live life and how to celebrate life eternal. In your son's name we pray, God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a scripture, Hebrews 6.1. There's all kinds of scriptures to talk about maturing. And this is really an epic one. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of, and then he talks about the most basic things, repentance from the acts that lead to death and faith in God and instruction about cleansing rites, things like baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. In other words, these things are the basics. And God permitting, we will do so. We will move forward. We will move beyond that. Are you content? You say, well, I like where I am. Maturity is not how old you are. It's how serious you are about taking steps with God. That's maturity. And my challenge to you is just, you know, look at where you are. And don't even get wrapped up in the milk versus, you know, mush versus, you know, steak thing. But think about what is it God could move me to next? if I would go with him? Or am I just going to crawl the rest of my life? Am I just going to roll and play on the rug and hope it all works out? Or am I just going to stay like a spiritual middle schooler and just act that way the rest of my life? Where does he want you to go next? Because all of us should be asking that question. What does he want from me? I mean, you say, well, what am I shooting for? Let Let me read to you what we're shooting for. And it'll take you a lifetime to do this. But here's the goal. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that, to hardship that I might boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And then here's what he says, here's what you're shooting for. If you want to know what spiritual maturity looks like in your life, here it is, right here. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not dishonoring of other people. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It never fails. But where there's prophecies, they'll cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and prophecy in part, but when completeness comes, when maturity comes, you know what disappears? All of that. Because when I was a child, I talked like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, when I became a spiritual man, I put childhood 
behind me. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.